0: God speak. Great to be with you tonight. We have an off the hook lineup for three weekends in a row, as you guys know. And uh, I suspect that a few people are uh, slipping out tonight uh, so that they can come in the morning because David Barton's going to be with us at uh, nine and eleven, and Madison Cawthorn, Congressman Cawthorn. You remember his epic video? He got a standing ovation in our church for uh, saying, Madam Speaker, you are not God. And uh, so he's going to be at 9 and 11. He'll speak for the first 10 minutes, and then David will share his message. And then at 1 o'clock, Madison's going to have the whole service, and he's going to be preaching on the story of Esther. You don't want to miss it. I spent time with Madison yesterday in a live stream, and uh, what a what a fine young man he is, a real credit to uh, Congress. There's not a lot of bright spots at Congress, so it's great to be able to celebrate those. And then the following weekend on Saturday night with the barbecue, following the barbecue, we have Will Witt from Prager U. and if you're a little older and you don't know Will, all the young people know Will, so you should Google Will, he's like viral on YouTube, he's got over 5 million views on YouTube with Prager U. And he has a new book, and he'll be here with his new book, signing that book, and uh, he'll be with us all weekend, but he'll have the whole service next Saturday night. And then the following weekend, we have Eric Metaxas. So it's just like a freight train of freedom is coming your way with all of this goodness that's happening. Hey, our servants team, if you didn't bring a Bible, you forgot a Bible, or maybe you don't own one, maybe you're visiting, they have a Bible, just raise your hand, they'll get one of those to you, and if you don't have one, uh, a Bible of your own at home, please take that home as a gift. We have had people uh, come to church, get saved, take a Bible home, and uh, now I also have to talk to you about, if it's like gathering pencils or pens, if you have six of these Bibles at home, we're short, so bring a few back. (laughs) It works both directions, right? So we are going to have an incredible time, but tonight we are reading through our two-year Bible reading, which is anchored in the Word so that we can get solid in God's Word, because when you read God's Word, you begin to think like the Lord thinks. Of professing Christians, I learned this from David Barton this week, uh, the Mr. Polster and statistics, he said of believing, confessing Christians in America, only 9% of Christians actually read their Bibles. So they're not really hearing from God to think like God and have their minds renewed. That's why we're going through this two-year Bible reading, and a portion that we're going to be sharing from is in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you'll open to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 10 through 20 for our message, Boot Camp for Believers. So we look at the whole armor of God, we're going to look at our strength, our enemy, and our armor. And when we are engaged in such an incredible, epic battle as we are, when you have an image in your mind of a modern soldier, they look like this, a guy that's getting ready to come back from Afghanistan. Uh, well, we can, I don't want to get into that debacle Over here, we have an ancient soldier that Paul the Apostle is going to be building this whole concept and applying the armor of the soldier to the Christian's armor. And there's seven pieces of armor that are delineated in this passage of Scripture, and we want to find out about that. But you know, every time of conflict where there's soldiers, there's warriors, there are people that rise up and become heroes of those battles, heroes of those wars. They become known. We have medals and awards for people like this. The Medal of Honor is the highest award for bravery you can have in the United States. And it has to be awarded to you through Congress. It's a Congressional Medal of Honor. And I have a number of war heroes growing up and being a real movie buff. My favorite old school movie is a movie by the name of Sergeant York with Gary Cooper. Any of you ever seen it? Okay, so we have some old people like myself so uh, this American hero of World War II was Alvin York. He was this guy that lived out in the woods, and he lived a radical life. He became a Christian, and he was involved with a church that were, were basically pacifists. And so when he got drafted for, for World War I, he didn't want to go fight. So he filed for uh, to be a conscientious objector. Through a process of things, he finally surrendered and said, Okay, I think the Lord wants me to fight. And he was uh, the most, one of the most decorated heroes of World War I, a guy that didn't want to fight in the first place, because he was such an uh, incredible marksman. They were given a mission to go on this mission to capture a railway that the Germans were using, and as they headed that way, they got pinned down by machine gun fire, and a number of his, uh, his superior officer was killed, and a number of his mates were killed, and so he personally, on his own, uh, snuck around and killed some 20 to 25 Germans that were in these um, machine gun nests, and then they ended up capturing 135 uh, German soldiers and marched them to a uh, neighboring company to take over watching them, and he was this incredible war hero, and he would not let them do the movie unless Gary Cooper played him, and Gary Cooper did not want to play the role, and they said, i tell you what, you just go spend one week with this guy in the mountains of Tennessee, and if you don't want to, after after you spend a week with Alvin, the person was convinced, you'll want to do this, and so after a week, Gary Cooper came back and said, I'll do the movie. It was an, it's an incredible story. It's got this old-time preaching in it about believing in Jesus and prayer and faith. And when he arrived back in New York, there was a ticker tape parade. So different than how soldiers are honored today in our nation. Every epic season of conflict in the world will have heroes that rise up and also people that are zeros, that fade away. You know, even in our modern times, in the fight for liberty, Pastor Rob McCoy here at Godspeak was a hero last May when he opened up the church in defiance of the county's law rule that no churches could meet. And it really started a fire through California and is still spreading across the nation because of that courage to stand up but it's not just pastors it's people that are in congress it's people that are even as we see this clip of someone that is running a hair salon in the beauty industry check out this clip
1: Salem salon owner, who reopened her business before it was allowed, is now suing the state and Governor Kate Brown. Lindsey Graham is the owner of Glamour Salon. She opened her business on May 5th in protest of the governor's stay-at-home orders. At that point, salons were not yet allowed to reopen in Marion County under the phased reopening. Graham claims the governor and several state agencies engaged in a systematic effort to harass her and her family. The 10 days following that opening I was harassed and bullied by four different government agencies in an attempt to intimidate me to close my business down and obey the government. I received letters, I received emails, I received verbal threats, I received a visit to my private residence by Child Protective Services, I received certified letters, um, basically any way they could reach me to try to intimidate me, they did. Graham also says she was fined $14,000. She has filed a civil rights lawsuit in federal court. We reached out to Governor Brown for a response to this lawsuit, but her office declined to comment on pending litigation.
0: So no word from Governor Brown, right? And uh, our neighbors to the north are um, crazy in very strong terms. But uh, Lindsey Graham's with us here today, and I wanted Lindsey to come up and say hi to y'all. Thank
1: you.
0: Invite, a, invite him out to your table, Lindsey.
1: Okay. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am so humbled to be here. I'm so blessed. And as you can see, I still have a smile on my face. This fight, God is winning, and I am fighting it with him. And I'm going to be at a table out in the lobby Um, with the new book that I wrote about my fight and what God has done in my life for standing up for freedom. And trust me, it has a happy ending. So I would love to meet you guys out in the lobby afterwards and chat with you and show you my book.
0: Right on, thank you, Lindsay. Lindsay's book says, Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. You know, you can be in the beauty industry, you don't have to wear uh, camo and fight for liberty. And so, (laughs) Lindsay uh, is proving that point. Well, if you have a Bible, maybe you made your way to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to launch into our passage of Scripture as we look at Boot Camp for Believers. Let's stand together as we read this passage of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Father, we thank you for your word that's going to instruct us, build us up and strengthen us for the conflict, the spiritual battle that we're in. So we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see wonderful things from your word, that we would be built up and blessed by spending time with you and one another. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we look at this portion of scripture, we first of all wanna look at the source of our strength, because. It is not us pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and just saying, I'm a strong individual. We will get our tails kicked time and time again. Because as we look at the strength that is found in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If a person is weak, and they need strength, they have to connect themselves with somebody else that's strong, somebody that is powerful, somebody that has might because you are unable. And this is the key and the secret to the Christian's life, is to say, Lord, I am weak, but you are strong. I can't do anything on my own, but through Christ, I can do all things. As soon as you have that disconnect where you think you're moving through life in your own strength, you're vulnerable to be defeated and having epic failure. Just ask Peter. When Jesus warned him, the night that he was going to deny the Lord, he says, Simon, Simon. Yes, Lord? He said, Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. It specifically means that Satan asked for Peter by name to Jesus. Can you imagine that? (laughs) If Jesus told me, Rick, Rick, Satan wants to eat your lunch. But I prayed for you, it's all going to be okay. Like, <laughs> I, I really don't want Satan ask, asking for me by name. It's not something that's in my wheelhouse of dreams to fulfill. So Peter's response back was I'm willing to die or go to prison for you. He was standing in his own strength, therefore, he failed. When a little girl asks him, are you one of his followers? You know the story. Three times he says, no, no. The last time it says that he he took an oath, he cursed. He literally said, may my soul be damned to hell if I know the man. Can you imagine a guy that was just willing to go to jail and die for him moments earlier is now because that's what you get when you stand in your own strength. After he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches and 3,000 are saved. And he's a new man. Because he was going to stand in the Lord and his strength and the power of his might. It's the same concept that David understood as a young shepherd boy when he faced Goliath. And he said, the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm coming at you, not in my own name. I'm coming in the name of the God that I serve that you've insulted. So you're toast. Because you've messed with God and here I come. Right? I'm going to put this stone right in your forehead. Even another angel, a fallen, or another angel that has not fallen, that Satan is not on the same par or equality with God. He's not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful, and he's not everywhere present at once as God is. He's a fallen angel, and so if you put him at the same level of authority as God, you're missing the mark. Another angel that seems to be on the same par with him, even he in his heavenly role, a guy by the name of Michael, the archangel, keeps the Lord and his strength between Satan and him. In Jude 1.9, it says this, Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but he said, The Lord rebuke you. Even Michael, the archangel. Now that's a story I don't want to like, try to open up right now, but they're in a dispute over Moses' body. And Michael, the archangel, says, The Lord rebuke you. He's always keeping the Lord between him because a third of the angels were deceived by the devil. So even Michael is cautious when he interacts with Satan and saying, the Lord rebuke you. Now, if that is our strength, relying on the Lord, then our enemy, as we see, is very skilled at what he does. In verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now the wiles, this Greek word, literally means pursuing an orderly and technical procedure in the handling of a subject. Who is the subject? Who is the project? You are. Satan and his fallen demons look at you. You're the project. And they are very good at observing your life, seeing what your weaknesses and your strengths are, and coming after and pursuing you. Because we are in this spiritual battle. The wiles of the devil means the strategy, the technical skills that the invisible, spiritual, dark world has with observing you and I. Now, don't be terrified by that. We've got lots of hope because the Lord is on our side and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But it's Important for you not to underestimate the adversary of your soul. Even Peter tells us the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A roaring lion is not something you want to meet in a dark alley at night, correct? Right? I mean, it it is a formidable foe. And so in this spiritual battle that we're in, we have a formidable opponent. He gives us four terms or four words in in verse 12. About not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And this is kind of the plethora of these creatures, these invisible creatures to our human eyes that we're in a wrestling match with. The third word down, rulers, is this word cosmos, creator which means cosmos, world, and creator holder, or the lord of this world. It's almost like some kind of Star Wars dark villain. Cosmos. Cosmos, Cradle. <laughs> and so here he is in this world operating in our lives, messing with our lives. We think our conflicts are with flesh and blood. Haven't we been thinking that for the last year? We're looking at Biden. We're looking at Pelosi. We're looking at Schumer. We're looking at these individuals saying... I think they have a demon inside, right? You think there's some kind of spiritual influence, obviously, going on in our world. it doesn't mean that these people are demon-possessed, but obviously people are instruments of a dark world or an angelic world, either for God or against the things of God. And we're really wrestling with unseen forces, but there's human faces connected to them, right? Have you wondered how the entire globe could be being swept away by this thing? How is that possible? Unless there's some kind of orchestrated, demonic, spiritual battle. So the tools and the boot camp for believers is so important for us to realize, hey, I know that there's people that are representing a policy or some law that we're, is unpopular or we don't like or is robbing us of our freedoms, but realize we're wrestling with something more than that, that there's a real spiritual dynamic going on. Now, it's not just here in Ephesians 6 that Paul the Apostle is telling us about this person, this creature, this satanic, the devil himself, and his fallen demons, because Jesus said of him in John 12, 31, the ruler of this world. Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. Paul the apostle calls him in 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this age. Paul says again in Ephesians 2.2, 2, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in Luke chapter 4. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, I can give these to you basically on a silver platter. And it says, the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. He said, all these kingdoms of the world, all this authority has been given to me and it's mine to give to you. If you'll just bow your knee, you'll worship me. And if Jesus would have in any of the temptations succumbed to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, we would still be stuck in our same conundrum, lost in our sins, destined for an eternity separated from God. But because Jesus did not surrender to any of those things, and Jesus never argued with him at this point and said, no, sir, it's my dad's world. He never argued with him. Jesus called him the God of this world, the ruler of this world. So how'd that happen? The Lord gives dominion to Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan comes and deceives them and tempts them, and they hand over the dominion to him. It's that simple. And ever since then, the devil has been wreaking havoc in our lives and planet Earth. Now Jesus tells us that he Remembering back, he's talking to his disciples. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When he fell, when he crashed and burned, when the devil rebelled in heaven, he was kicked out. It tells us in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 where Satan came from and what his whole problem was, was pride. In Isaiah 14, 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit, or to hell. Five times the devil in heaven said, I will be like God and his pride swelling with his own self-importance in heaven. You think about this. I I tell people very sincerely, the the first church split happened in heaven. Didn't happen on planet earth. So when a church split happens, who do you think's the mastermind? Been there, done that, and what's usually the cause? Pride. Somebody thinks that this is the right way to go, and it's out of line with God's word, and there's people that are wanting to be obedient to God, and, it, you know, it just creates this huge swirl. Do you know that the hell was not designed for humans? Now humans go there because misery loves company, and the devil wants to take people there. But it tells us in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, when Jesus is giving a declaration of those who would not surrender to him or believe in him, He says, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire. Prepared, who was it prepared for? Prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what hell was prepared for. And then the devil's bent on taking people there with him. Now that's all the bad news. The good news is that there's angels on our side. You go, I was wondering where this was going to go. I'm a little tired of the demonology. I'm a little tired of talking about Satan. And can't we just talk about Jesus and have a group hug and sing kumbaya? So here's our kumbaya moment. In Hebrews 1.14, it tells us what the mission of good angels are. And you and I are the focus of those good angels. It tells us, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Angels are ministering spirits to those who are gonna inherit salvation. Raise your hand if you're saved in Jesus. Angels were ministering spirits in the process of you coming to Jesus. Isn't that cool? You don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know how they I, I look back in my life and there's a couple of times when it was really close to one of those death moments and just like the right thing happened so I didn't die. And I, I often tell myself when I think about that, I'm like, man, I am gonna give my angel such a big kiss when I get to heaven. Because it gave me grace through these crazy years to get to the place with his protection because I'm an heir of salvation, I'm gonna get saved. And because God knows these things in our life, he sends his angels. As a matter of fact, not only do are angels, this is their mission generally, but specifically do you know that you have a guardian angel? That's not some myth or it, it, it has biblical premise in Matthew chapter 18. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, which can mean children or just little ones as believers. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What does it say? Their angel. Who? The little ones. That that little one, that every believer I am convinced has an angel designated to them and they are constantly in and out of heaven, always beholding the face of our Father as they're ministering to us. Now, just as I want to give a big kiss to this angel that has so protected my life, there's a couple of times that it was a little too close, and I want to ask him about that. like, weren't you cutting that just a little bit close? Right? But isn't it comforting if you have kids, and you're a child of God, and the angels are ministering to them as heirs of salvation, and that specifically they have an angel designated for their life? watching out for them, always beholding the face of the Father. We live in a real spiritual world, but we don't give much thought to these things, right? Because we're so physical. And yet this is the reality of what's going on around us. And lastly, the good news is not only is there mission to touch our lives, and we have specifically an angel directing into each one of our lives, but there's twice as many good angels as bad angels. That should be good news. Because it tells us in Revelation chapter 12, Behold, a a great fiery red dragon, that's the devil, his tail drew a third of the stars from heaven and threw them to the earth. This third of the stars is the angels that fell and were deceived by the devil and his pride, came to planet Earth, became now known as demons. But two-thirds of the angels are still with the Lord doing this ministry to those who are heirs of salvation and specifically to people that are, uh, they're assigned to and ministering to. So there's more of us than them. Haven't you felt a little outnumbered over the last year? I mean, you felt like we're in this minority, but the reality is, the country's pretty much split down the middle. Get red states? Blue states? I mean, 27 governors or attorney generals of 27 states, more than half, wrote a letter to file a petition against President Biden's vaccine mandate. Twenty-seven states. It's not just some people down at Godspeak, praise the Lord. Sometimes I think people think only people down there at Godspeak talk about these things. It's not so. The whole world is looking at this going, what is the disconnect? Or There's something that is crazy. But it's so important for us to know what the enemy's tactics are and what his schemes are because we want to, as Paul the Apostle says, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We know how he works. He's been very good at it for 6,000 years, and I thought about these two generals in World War II. And if you're a history buff like me, or if you saw when it first came out, Patton, which was George C. Scott played the role of Patton, and uh, General Patton was in a conflict because he was a tank commander with Rommel, who was a German tank commander, uh, general, and Patton had read Rommel's book that he came out with, all about tactics for tank commanders, and, and he yelled one day in a battle with him, I think it was in North Africa, he yells, Rommel, it's not like Rommel could even hear him, but just, you know, Rommel, you magnificent guy, <laughs> I read your book. And he said, he's in this battle with Rommel, but he had read his book, so he knows exactly how he thinks. He was not ignorant of his devices. And Rommel was a a brilliant man, and uh, Patton was a tenacious man that continued to put his foot in his mouth and get himself in trouble. But it's good for us not to be ignorant of the devil's devices, to understand really what is going on in the invisible world. So having said all that, that brings us up to our armor, which there's seven pieces that Paul wants us to know As we look at these things, if you're going to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the first thing you're going to need is the belt of truth. In verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Truth always makes a difference. You don't have to hide from the truth. You don't have to cover the truth. That's why this last year has revealed so much bizarrity. Because why do we have to have a cancel culture and people cutting us off of YouTube when we're telling the truth? Because they don't want to hear the truth. And the people and the powers that be have got into a position so that they, as private companies, if they don't like what you're doing, they just turn off your account, like President Trump's account on Facebook has been terminated for two years. Twitter, I think, is a lifetime ban, I think, (laughs) because that's what he lit it up. You knew he's tweeting every day, and sometimes some very inflammatory, provocative stuff. And so let's just shut his mouth. How do we do that? We don't want to hear the truth. The truth never has to hide. If you're standing for the truth, that's why the very first thing you have to realize is that the real war that is going on in America is about truth and lies, right? It's about truth and lies. And it's not only about truth and lies, it's about people that believe the truth. And truth means reality. It's that which corresponds to reality. That's why about two or three months into this whole pandemic, we all kind of look around and said, what's wrong with this picture? The narrative of these hospitals overflowing and this happening, and, and, and yet we have neighbors and we have friends, and we're looking around to, do you know anybody that's had COVID yet? I mean, we're, we're trying to figure this thing out because it was not the narrative that is being pumped through CNN and, and, and all the, the liberal stations didn't seem to be lining up with reality to us. And so there was this big disconnect. So there's not only lie, truth and lies, but there's people behind those truth and lies and then those who believe them. Jesus uncovered and unpacked that for us in John chapter eight when he says this. If God were your father, he said to those who were telling lies about him, you would love me. Why do you not understand my speech? How come you? I can't communicate with you? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell, tell the truth, you do not believe me. There are some people, they don't want to hear the truth, right? Because they're influenced in this invisible battle that we're in. This invisible battle is going on. And you'll talk to some ba- ba- people, and they are like COVID crazy. Have you talked to some people like that? I mean, they got three masks and a shield on rubber gloves, and you're walking down the sidewalk and they'll get, you know, 15 feet out of the way. It's, it's just like... And fear is, is driving their world. And fear drove this whole thing. And you always know that lies and truth, truth brings confidence and faith. Lies brings fear and spineless Discouragement. So Jesus lays this out, and, and Paul tells us, you know what? This is something that really torques the Lord off. Now, you're not going to find the word in the Greek, but I think you, you know, you'll get my meaning. In Romans chapter 1, he says this For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Stop there. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, and you're expecting some bombshell. Of some kind of sin, right? Murder, this or that, and what's he say? Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness? That's what upsets God. They're they're suppressing the truth. Suppressing means they're holding the truth down. As I shared with you guys last week, they are now hashtag natural immunity is now not allowed because people are going after natural immunity. The new study in Israel says natural immunity, they're the most vaccinated country in the world. They have the greatest studies right now in the world. And the study that just came out is natural immunity has, I've had COVID, so I have natural immunity, 27 times stronger than the vaccine and longer lasting. That's the truth of science but you can't talk to anybody about natural immunity. As a matter of fact, if you want to hashtag natural immunity, it's censored and it's no longer allowed. It it will be shut off. Isn't it bizarre? What's going on? Not only does the Lord hate it when they suppress the truth, but he says this, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Once you finally know the truth of these things, and then you hear these talking heads on these things, you're just like... Like, haven't they got the memo? No, they, they this, now we have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's the problem. New story just came out today about Israel. Once again, the most vaccinated country in the world. It has the highest COVID uh, contagion going on in the world right now. And all the people are vaccinated. So... So the most vaccinated nation in the world is having the highest breakout of COVID in the world. (laughs) But you'll never hear that here. We have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. (laughs) I mean, if it wasn't so ridiculous, it would be comical. So we're going to start with truth. We're going to connect to reality, hopefully. If you're going to cut through the lies that the devil wants to pump into a culture, But secondly, the breastplate of righteousness, because what happens after that is shame, right? Have any of you been shamed and condemned and virtue signaled because you're killing grandma? You don't have your mask on. You don't have your vaccine. How come you're killing grandma? It's like, well, first of all, grandma's not living at my house. Why am I killing grandma? But it's the virtue signaling, right? So, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the first thing you want to do is connect to truth and reality, which we're trying to, right? Amen. Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness is the, the, the attack of the enemy is to contemn your soul. Right now, we're not only, we have a couple of things. We have the COVID corona craziness with the, the uh, COVID Karen giving us the eye about mask and things. But then on the other hand, we have the critical race theory thing that's going nuts. So therefore, all white people are white supremacists according to critical race theory. If you're white, you're a white supremacist. You didn't know that, they have to inform you. And you say, I know my own thoughts, I'm not a white supremacist, they said, even in your unconscious mind. That means, so you're telling me even if I was racist that I wouldn't know it? Like, are you a moron? So what they try to do is talk to me, is just shut your mouth. You're a white supremacist. And I'm also a Christian, and I'm also heterosexual in orientation. So I'm... (laughs) And I also think people that come across our border, I'm all for immigration. I just think they should go through the legal process, right? So I'm a xenophobe. And if I say that there's only two genders... Which is I thought until the last like year was like a medical fact. It's like biological. There's male and female, right? But now there's a hundred gender. Diff- I mean, you have to be so creative. How can you even come up with a hundred? I mean, you're the most bizarre person in the world. And therefore, I'm a white supremacist. I'm a xenophobe. I'm a homophobe. I'm a patriarch. All this stuff, and it's all to shame, condemn me so that I just shut my mouth, go sit in the corner, and suck my thumb. That's the goal. So why do I need the breastplate of righteousness? Because I know God has cleansed me and forgiven me of my sins. And I have a confidence in God that I'm right with God. So it's harder for humanity to condemn me when God's not condemning me. You may want to condemn me but God's not condemning me. You see, the whole point of righteousness in this armor, just like the strength and the power is God's, the armor has to be God's. Connecting to his truth, connecting to his righteousness, as it says when Jesus came in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world or virtue signal, he came to save us because we were lost and broken people. Romans 3.22 says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. You can be 100% forgiven and 100% right with God through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And lastly, Romans 8.1 says... There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if God's not condemning me, but the culture and the people and their rhetoric is condemning me, how can I stand? See, the whole goal is to stand in this battle, right? So they're throwing all this garbage at me. And if I don't know who I am in Christ, I will cave and fold like a cheap suit. You have to know who you are in Jesus it doesn't mean it produces arrogance. As a matter of fact, on the opposite, it produces humility. God's forgiven me. I deserved hell. I was a mess. I was a dumpster fire on my way to hell. I was messed up. Thirdly, the good news army boots that we have in this incredible armor. In verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's this picture of the soldier's uh, Boots. They were sandals, and they had cleats inside of them, so for traction and hand-to-hand combat. And so they would look like a cleat or an army boot strapped up the calf. And everywhere you go, notice what it says, that your feet are prepared with the gospel of peace, meaning that wherever my feet take me, I get to bring the good news of the peace that comes with knowing Jesus. And so you come into a situation, and there's conflict, with people's souls, between them and God, and you share the love of Jesus with them, that he loves them, he wants to forgive them, he paid the price on the cross for their sins, rose from the dead, and they surrender their life to him, and you just keep walking by, and you leave peace behind you wherever your army boots of the gospel of peace take you. Into your workplace, into your family. How many people, in the midst of all that we have going on, a couple hundred people have gotten baptized in the last few months here at Speak? They're getting saved with the gospel of peace. And they came in and the conflict and the turbulence of their soul, and they came in and they discovered truth, and they came in and discovered God's love, and they left here with peace, and, and, and their life was changed. We've had people that just come in and they just start weeping when they see the community without masks and people sitting shoulder to shoulder and hugging each other. And they're overwhelmed because they're designed as creatures to have fellowship with God and with humans. And it's inhuman what the tyrannical leaders in our government are doing. Because when we see the studies and the science and everything that's coming out of Israel, that are hard facts, medical facts, and this administration gives no acknowledgement whatsoever, you realize for the first time, it's not about the vaccine, or it's not about the sickness, it's about control. It's about training the entire next generation to wear masks mask and do what they're told so that in this next generation, all those who have young children, they will be their little robots in 15 years. It's all about that experience. It's unbelievable what's going on and unfolding before us. You see this incredible gospel piece where it tells us in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Everywhere you go, the beautiful feet Take you to bring God's peace to humans. The fourth piece of the armor is the shield. In verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So our shield of faith comes up and the devil's shooting all these fiery darts. You know how they would do in old school uh, with arrows. They would wrap the tips with oil and pitch, whatever, and they'd light it on fire. And so the soldiers would have to soak their shields in water so that when those fiery darts hit, it wouldn't burn their shield. And so our faith... Is to quench the fiery darts, and he's constantly shooting fiery darts through in your thoughts in your mind. Like God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. If God cared about you, he wouldn't let this happen. You know what? You're going to lose everything. I mean, all the things. Have you ever had those fiery darts shot at you? And because the battle is in your mind, right? Boom, 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 boom. In faith, you have to know the Lord and say, "I'm going to trust God." You know, when I, I'm not having, I know all these thoughts, but God lo- I know God loves me. And I, I have to fall back. You know, when I don't understand what's going on in my life, I fall back on what I do know. And I know that God loves me because he says so. You see, your faith is built on what God has said about us. It tells us in Hebrews eleven six, 6, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know what pleases God? When I trust him, and I believe God as I trust you, you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, that there's favor that comes in this relationship of me trusting you and you blessing my life. It tells us in 1 John 4, 10, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, meaning that God loved me first. The devil will attack you that God doesn't love you, but his word says that he does. And so I need to believe that by faith. And when everything's going wrong in my life, and it's... <laughs> I, I remember Romans 8:28, so that I can have faith. We know that all things work together for good, to those who love God and those who are the called according to His purpose. I don't understand what's happening right now, but I know God's going to take this mess and he's going to do something beautiful with it, because that's who God is. You have to be able to quench the fiery darts) <laughs> Greg Lloyd says a h- hilarious story about this. He was preaching with great passion, and a person that he had a lot of respect for was on the front row of church, and uh, he was his mentor, and he's preaching this passionately, and he says, beware of the diary farts of the enemy. And the whole place busted apart, and he couldn't, he couldn't regain his composure. So can I warn you, to beware of the diary farts of the enemy. He's trying to shoot these these diary farts right into your brains. It's it's a terrible thing. (laughs) Terrible thing. So the shield of faith. The shield of faith discovers God's word, believes it in your heart. And so when the devil attacks that truth, you don't believe it. You can quench that fiery dart. Fifth piece of the armor is the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation is to protect our mind that we can know that we're truly, sincerely saved. Do you struggle with security and assurance in your salvation? I'll have people through the years, you know, I, they love Jesus. I mean, they've, they've answered 30 altar calls. They've been baptized 10 times. They, they have a hard time with their, uh, the assurance of their salvation. But do you know that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved? That's what John tells us in 1 John 5, 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know Notice that, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You can know beyond a shadow of doubt. The helmet is to protect your mind when the devil comes along and says, you're not a child of God. You're such a big phony. You, you know, you're know, you not going to walk. You know what? You're just going to blow it anyway. The spiritual battle is invisible, and it's all in your mind. And you have to understand that. The sixth piece of the armor is the sword. It's your only defensive weapon, an actual one that you can attack with. In verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jeremiah says of God's word, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks and peaks the rock in pieces? Three times when Jesus was tempted by the devil, all three times he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He knew God's word, so therefore, you have to have God's word hidden in your heart, or you have no weapon when you are tempted right? It's like, yeah, what the preacher said. That doesn't work. You have to have your own weapon, right? You have to know God's word. For all three times, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All three of these quotes are from the book of Deuteronomy, Jesus' favorite book, obviously. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. All three times when he's tempted, he doesn't get in a bickering match. He just says, boom, this is what the word of God says. Boom, he's got a sword. That's what he's dealing, That's how he deals with the devil, is the word of God. So you have to know the word of God in order to be lethal in a spiritual battle. And if you don't know the word of God, you will be defenseless and helpless and worse than bringing a knife fight to a gunfight, you have no knife at all. You have no gun. You have nothing. So the sword of the spirit is vital for us to understand this. And lastly, we have the communications. In a military conflict, Communication is everything. When they bombard early, usually, they're trying to go for the communication centers because the people that are up in the front lines and those who are in the back, and if they're lobbing mortars or whatever, they have to be able to communicate with one another. And if there is no communication, the, the, your opponent is already toast. They're toast. That's what prayer is. Prayer is seeking the Lord, not only in your personal walk, but on behalf of those who are around you. As it says in verse 18 of Ephesians, Pray, pray, pray. Pray for your own life. Pray for your family. Pray for those who are around you. Pray for your preachers, that they have boldness. And that's what Paul's saying. Hey, you guys, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for for Rob? Would you pray for our team so that we continue to be bold? When you're in the front, taking the shots, you're the one that may be getting arrested. (laughs) You may be whatever. There is a tremendous temptation. I just want you to know, I'm a pretty peace-loving guy. There's a tremendous temptation. I'm from Idaho. I'm just going to go to Idaho with my lovely wife. And we're going to hang out. And we're going to water ski. And we're going to hang out in the woods. And we're not going to worry about anything else. I'm sure none of you have ever had that temptation. (laughs) The Lord's like, no, hey, I want you to speak up. I want you to be a mouthpiece. I want you to say, I want you to stand for me. You see, there's always this desire in our own nature just to retreat, right? Just to retreat. I mean, who needs the hassles? Who needs the, you know, stinky emails? Who needs the, the posts, the Facebook posts? Who needs that, right? Who needs the drama? It's not like you wake up and go, I think I'm going to create some drama today. <laughs> well, I know some, there are some people that way. But the majority of us are not that way. The majority of us are just peace-loving people, and we want, we want peace. But, you know, when the threats come... That's when we actually have to pray for more boldness. That's what happened in Acts chapter four. They threw the apostles in prison. They came home from prison, and rather than just getting out of dodge and living a peaceful life, it says, "Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word." And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. God, give us more boldness to share the love of Jesus with a lost world to stand up and to be instruments of truth in these dark times. Once again, as I mentioned earlier, 1 John 4.4, you guys, we have the victory. Because the Lord tells us, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You are filled as the temple of the Holy Spirit by the God of the universe that created the heavens and the earth in six days. You know, this time of life... There are heroes that rise and there are zeros. When I saw Governor Newsom double down and talking about how he wants to, as soon as the FDA approval comes, he wants to give our children the vaccine, I was so upset. I'm like, it's not even FDA approved and children are not even susceptible and the risk reward, if somebody's over 65 and has comorbidities and they need protection, they need to evaluate that for themselves. But children are not even at risk. And yet, this is doubling down. This vaccine that is shown to be harmful and vaccine injuries for little ch- to uh, young men that are in the 17 to 25 with, you know, inflamed hearts and various things, now they want to take it down to a new level. So our hero for the week, have you ever wished you could just go into Congress... And deal with something. In a peaceful way. Not a stupid January 6th way. Right? (laughs) This week, maybe you were as upset as me, when the, uh, it's not the teachers union, it was another group, anyway, wrote the president about the parents that are standing up against critical race theory or the mask and he sicked the DOJ to send the FBI that moms and dads standing up with this freedom that we have to these elected officials stand up and to speak up are now domestic terrorists. It was unbelievable. 400,000 illegal immigrants are coming across the southern border and they won't stop that but they're gonna send the FBI after moms standing up for their kids at a school board meeting. Is there anything more moronic? I mean, it's just, it it, literally, it's so ludicrous. So I had a, just a big breath, because Josh Howley, senator from Missouri, took to task the deputy DOJ, and he's the hero for the week. So listen to Josh, he's taking him to task, And you and I can just breathe. That's what representative government is supposed to be. You elect a good person that represents your purposes in in Washington, D.C. Amen? That's what's supposed to happen. Check out Josh.
1: You know, all I can say is this is truly extraordinary. I think you know it is. It's unprecedented. You can't point to a single instance where anything like this has happened before. And I think parents across this country are going to be stunned to learn. Stunned. That if they show up at a local school board meeting by the way where they have the right to appear and be heard where they have the right to say something about their children's education where they have the right to vote and you are attempting to intimidate them you are attempting to silence them you are attempting to interfere with their rights as parents and yes with their rights as voters this is wrong this is dangerous and i cannot believe that an attorney general of the united states is engaging in this kind of conduct. And frankly, I can't believe that you are sitting here today defending it. I intend to get answers to these questions. You won't answer my questions. I'm gonna get answers to these questions. Mr. Chairman, we need to have a hearing on this subject. We need to hear from the Attorney General himself. He needs to come here, take the oath, sit there and answer questions. We have never seen anything like this before in our country's history. And frankly, I I wanna say, I think it is a dangerous, dangerous precedent.
0: May his tribe increase. So we're, uh, we're praying for more people like that to make it to Washington in 2022. And um, may God help us because we have to maintain our Christian uh, focus on just sharing the love of Jesus. But we also have to be salt and light to enter the public square to uh, rescue our nation. Or we're not going to have the freedom to preach the gospel anymore. So may the Lord help us. But behind the scenes, we are in a spiritual battle, not just with flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers, and the devil knows what he's doing. And he's like moving people around on a chess piece. But we are children of God, and we know what the truth is, and we have his word. And he gives us wisdom and insight how to stand and see through and cut through all this garbage. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that by your spirit, you would do a work to strengthen us. Lord, you tell us, and we want to be obedient. You tell us to pray for kings and those who are in authority that we might lead peaceful and quiet lives and be able to share the knowledge of Jesus Christ with our neighbors. So Lord, we pray for our president and our vice president. We pray for Congress. We pray for the House of Representatives and the senators and Uh, Lord, we pray for Governor Newsom. We pray for our county supervisors. Lord, we pray for all of them that you would rip the blinders off, that you would bring a revelation of yourself to them, that you would bring them to their knees and they would look up and say, Jesus is Lord, and they would get a clue to life. Lord, we pray that you would rescue their souls, save their souls, and give us good leaders, Lord, that would lead us in a way that honors you and pleases you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would rescue us, your people. You said if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and cry out to you and turn from their wicked ways that you would heal their land. So, Lord, we are humbling ourselves before you. We are crying out to you. We are asking for your forgiveness, Lord, for our sins as a nation and a people, Lord, that has turned its back on you. And, Lord, we pray that you would come and heal our land, Lord. Raise up people that would honor you and that love liberty, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. As we sing this closing song, I want you to know that the prayer team is going to be up here in front. They'd love to pray for any of you that need prayer. Maybe you came and you got some heavy things going on in your heart. Maybe you need somebody to lay hands on you and pray for healing. They're here to minister to you. Stop by and see uh, Lindsay and Brandy back there at their table if you want to pick up a book. and. If you're coming tomorrow, all I can say is you better be here bright and early with bells on because it is going to be a packed place. Let's worship the Lord as it was.